Matthew chapter 5. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. I'm just going to pray for... I pray for Pete to bring the sermon to us today. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for the gift of your word, uh, this time together. Just pray you would give Pete the words to say, that you would open all of our hearts, um, our ears to hear, um, that you would speak through Pete. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Charles. Okay, well, as Pete said at the beginning of our service, we are taking a few weeks at the start of the year to consider the kingdom of God. And we're sort of bouncing out of the greatest sermon ever, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, because he speaks heaps about God's kingdom. And we think just at this time of year, it's going to be really, really helpful to have our eyes focused on the kingdom, seeking first the kingdom, to help us even as we think for the year uh, ahead, not only the year, hopefully our lives ahead. Uh, now, we're today going to be looking primarily just at the first verse of this sermon. So I throw it up on the, the screen there, uh, just this verse which says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, Tim Keller says about this verse, and this is a big claim, and Tim Keller's a, a guy to make a big claim. He, he says, arguably, this is the most important verse in the Bible. And the reason is, he says, is because it tells us, how we become a Christian, and how we live as a Christian. Okay, so it's a big claim, how we become a Christian, how we live as a Christian. Have I, just because you know how to do something or how something works, it doesn't necessarily imply that we want to do it, does it? So kids, I need your help for this one, uh, and please try and be honest just pretend that your parents aren't, aren't around. I'm going to ask the question. Uh, do you know how to make your bed? Hands up. Do you know how to make your bed? Okay. Lots of hands amongst the kids. Now leave your hand up if you made your bed this morning. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now this isn't about whether you make the bed or not. I didn't make it. Um, but it just shows my point. We can know how something works, we can know how to do something, but it doesn't necessarily imply it gets done or it happens. 
right? We, and I think to, to really be bed makers, we need to firstly admit that we're not naturally bed makers. We need to be true with ourselves about where we're at and, and why we do things. We need to consider where we are now. But there also needs to be something compelling uh, that, that makes us want to be bed makers. And, and hopefully it's more compelling than just receiving a reward or because your parents tell you to do it. Hopefully there's actually something that grips your heart that makes you a bed maker. Now I'm still not a bed maker. I really don't care if you're a bed maker or not. But what we're talking about today is super important because we're actually going to consider that for the Christian life. We're going to consider where we are now. And we're going to try and be honest and open with ourselves about actually where are we now in life? What are we thinking? What drives us? What desires do we have? We're going to consider where we're going. Right? And the call from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is that there's... It's the kingdom of heaven, right? But we need to have our hearts gripped by that. And then we get to this, what Tim Keller says, the most important verse. And we're going to think about how. How we are Christians, how we become Christians, and how we live as Christians. So that's actually the structure slide for today. It's a little bit different. We're going to start with the now. We're going to think about the where and then come back and, and talk about how, how we get there. Okay, so firstly... Where are we now? What is your life about right now? Now, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus actually addresses a number of different people and types of people and sort of gets into the heart of where they're actually at now. So I'm going to go through. There's four of them. And kids, if you're following along with the, the note-taking worksheet there with the eight boxes, I'm going to invite you the top four boxes to, to use the examples that I give and, and sort of follow along by drawing these things. Someone artistic in the office this week has drawn some examples. So they'll be up on the, the screen. You don't need to follow them. Uh, but as we go through. Now, the first type of people that Jesus addresses as to where they are now is the type of people that want to look good. All right, so the picture should come up on, on the slide. Th- those are the, the people that are... Um, care about what others think and want to sort of put themselves on the throne. Now, Jesus describes these people, they're sort of often the religious leaders of the time. They're the people that pray in such a way that everyone sees them praying and sort of the praises go to them. They're the ones that give to the poor, but the reason they give to the the poor is so that others would see what they're doing, not because they have a heart for the poor. So these are people that seek to look good. What's that look like for us? Well, for us, it's when we're always asking the question, what will others think of me? Right? It's for, for us who are approval junkies. Life for us is about pleasing others, being good in the eyes of others, uh, getting the praise of others. It's when what you say and what you do, uh, even what you think is, is based upon, around trying to get others to like you and affirm you. Okay, so that's the, the first category of, of people. And I wonder if that describes you or an aspect of where you're at now. Right? Trying to look good in the eyes of others. The second that Jesus talks about or talks to is those that like to, to look around. Uh, look around and, and see different, different what, do we, what do we need. So the, the next slide should be coming up. I don't know if you can read that. But the guy's thinking, what shall I eat? What shall I wear? What shall I drink? Now, Jesus addresses these people in the Sermon on the Mount. They're they're worried about all of these earthly things. They're they're looking around. Now, for us, what's that look like? 
Well, it's, it's when we're overly affected by our own circumstances. It's when we, we are feeling the pressures and the stresses, stresses of life. It's when we're constantly bombarded with that nagging thought that I should be doing more. Or when we think, I can never have enough. I'll never be satisfied until I've got this, until I've got that, until I've got this. Okay, we're looking around. What do I need? wonder if that describes you. The third type of audience that Jesus addresses in the Sermon on the Mount is actually those that, I would say, look nowhere. Okay, they just do whatever is easiest. Jesus describes in the Sermon on the Mount those that take the, the wide and easy path as opposed to the narrow path, which is following him and trusting him. What's this look like for us? Well, it looks like taking the path of least resistance. Uh, for many of us, life has been hard. We've been hurt in different ways. Uh, maybe it means we, we're sort of cynical. We almost opt out of, of life. Uh, perhaps you're exhausted. We tend to, to try to escape. We do things like in a picture. We, we watch Netflix. We play video games. We scroll mindlessly through Facebook. What, what we're really doing with these things is sort of escaping to ease our conscience of, of all the things. Like we're just escaping. We're looking nowhere. I wonder, does this describe you? Is there an aspect of this in your life? Well, the fourth group of people that Jesus addresses in the sermon are actually those that look within rather than look to God. So Jesus describes right at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, fools are those that don't listen to God's word. They try to build their life constructed on, on what they think and their, their own inner selfish desires, what they think is best. Now, when we don't listen to God... Uh, we're listening to lies and our culture around us, there are lots of lies that we are being constantly told. There's whole industries that have been set up to tell us that, that to be satisfied, we need to buy all these beauty products or to, to, to sort of be fulfilled, we've got to buy the latest car or TV or um, you know, we, we've got to experience the, the latest idyllic holiday, all these sorts of things. Now, those can be good things, but when they're the desires and we're pursuing them rather than listening to God and his word, we're listening to lies. And I think a lie that, that all of us face, is, it's there and, and these are good things, but we listen to the lie that a good life is all about getting good grades, getting a good job, marrying a good spouse, having good kids, having an early retirement and and fulfilling all of your desires and, and that sort of things. We, we, we listen to the lie that we're going to be satisfied in life if this is our life. And we think that that will satisfy us even without God. These are lies that we're listening to. And Jesus says in this sermon, we need to build our house on the rock. Listen to his word and what he says is for our good. So I would imagine, if you, if you're like me, that actually you sort of resonate with each of these four different descriptions that Jesus mentions in the the Sermon on the Mount. So this describe to a degree what your life is like right now. 
want to put up the summary slide, and kids, you, you might find this helpful. Um, you, you might have, if you've been following along, you might have the start of four pictures drawn along the, the top there. I want everyone to take a, a bit of a pause to reflect on, on where you see yourself in these. Kids, I want to invite you during the rest of the sermon to, to fill out the lower boxes. Uh, but what I want you to think about in the lower boxes is, is actually what God's word would teach or point to. If we're, instead of looking, trying to look good, where should we look? And I'll, I'll give you a little hint. You guys are clever enough to f- figure this out. Uh, I'll have to do a whole sermon so the, the adults can catch up. But the looking good, rather than looking, making yourself look good, it's looking to the one who is good. Right? So you might want to draw a picture of, of a way that you can look to, to Jesus, the one who is good. Right? And you probably find that, that there's different ways. Just like in Sunday school, the answers in the sermons always Jesus. So in those boxes, uh, there's going to be some element where we're, we're looking to, to Jesus rather than to ourselves. So I'd love to see those pictures as, as you do them at the end of the service. Um, but we're now, going to, we're now going to consider the where. Right? So if we spend a bit of time and we, we have thinking about where we are now, what our life is like right here, what are some of the, the things that we look to to satisfy our deep desires, let's now consider actually where we're going. And Jesus makes this so clear and so wonderfully clear particularly in the Sermon on the Mount, where to look for his kingdom, for the kingdom of God, for the kingdom of heaven. Throughout Jesus' teaching, uh, he, he's saying, seek first the kingdom of heaven. He's saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's saying, pray, may your kingdom come. And he describes it in, in wonderful ways. In, in Matthew chapter 13, the kingdom of heaven is described as this pearl of great price. It's invaluable. And it's sort of hard for us to get, but basically he says, look, if if you really see the value and how good God's kingdom and being a part of God's kingdom is, it's like this pearl that you would sell everything. You would give everything else away. Nothing else in comparison. Relationship, money, power, anything is worth anything compared to, to the value of this pearl. Right, and that illustration is just trying to show how good and wonderful, invaluable God's kingdom is. It's eternal. It's joyful. He says in the sermon, uh, re- rejoice and be glad, just like we sang before. It's why the gospel is good news. Uh, because the kingdom of heaven is so good. This is where we're going. Now, Jesus doesn't only describe it. He actually shows it. If you read the gospels, the stories of his life, you'll see... In Jesus, the most wonderful king of the kingdom. You'll see someone so humble to to even come from heaven and be born as a baby. You'll see someone of such incredible compassion and love, especially for the vulnerable, especially for the outcast, the way that he loves and includes and and lifts them up. Uh, You'll see someone... Uh, who heals to show that God's kingdom, uh, that, that, that all that is bad and wrong and affected by sin in this world uh, is made right. He cast out demons and evil to show there'll be no evil. His kingdom is good and pure and right. The question I think that we often have, and, and especially we're thinking about the where right now, we think, well, where is... Jesus' kingdom right now. 
Where, where is it right now? Now, the, one answer to that, and well, the answer to that is obviously the kingdom is where the king reigns. Uh, but we, we often think that, oh, that must mean that the, the kingdom for us is, is future. It's where, when we die, we enter into the kingdom. So passages like Ephesians 2 verse 7 talk about how we're going to be receiving the, the glorious riches of his grace. Um, you know, we're going to receive and be a part of the kingdom when we're in heaven. And that's true. We also look to, to places like Re- the end of Revelation. Uh, if you were reading through the Bible in a year, you would have got to this on December 31st. The last couple of chapters in, in Revelation describe the new heavens and the new earth. One of the great things I love about that description, and, and I think we're meant to sort of see it sort of metaphorically, um, but, but the footpaths are made of gold. Now, I don't know how practical that is, uh, but, I, but I think that what we're meant to see is like the most valuable or precious thing that we could consider is like something that we just walk along. That's how wonderful and good and how sort of amazingly beyond our wildest dreams being part of God's kingdom for all eternity is. And so often I, I think we, we have this view that the, the kingdom is future or far off. But if you actually listen to what Jesus says, there is a sense where the, the kingdom is not yet, like in its fully fledged form, uh, but, it, but it is also now. Right, so theologians use the term now but not yet. And I think that's actually really helpful and important ones. Because just as I said before, where's the kingdom? It's where the king reigns. Well, right now, the king reigns in the hearts of his followers. Right? The kingdom of God is present in the lives of those who are following Jesus. See, when Jesus ascended um, and his followers, they asked about the kingdom, he simply told them, oh, you've been my witnesses to the ends of the earth. He was communicating to them, actually, that the kingdom is where the king is followed. And that's spreading, uh, just as the good news is spreading to the ends of the earth. Jesus told parables about it, the parable of the weeds, where, where until the end of the age there would be sort of the good plants of, of the kingdom, but there'd also be weeds growing up as well. The parable of the leaven, how the, the leaven would sort of expand throughout the the bread. The, the, these parables are telling us that, that the kingdom of heaven is here now, but we're, we're still a part of uh, the, the kingdom of the evil one. Right? They're, they're, they're kingdoms uh, together right now. Uh, the way, kids, that are, I'm hoping to be able to explain this in a way that makes sense to you, I'm sure you play the game Pastor Parcel. Now, when Pastor Pete was young, the rules of pass the parcel were very simple. Right? You had lots of layers of... You had this awesome gift or whatnot in the middle and you had lots of layers of newspaper. It's the easiest thing in the world for parents to set up because you just get a whole newspaper and just wrap it up and sticky tape it. Um, and it would only be the, the present or the gift or the good thing would only come at the end. Right? Now, I think that's how often we think of the kingdom of heaven. It's like the old style pass the parcel. Um, <laughs> and, and so it's not till we get to the end or until we die that, that it's there. But actually, and this is the only way that the new pass the parcel is better, um, but it is, it is a, a good illustration or at least hopefully a helpful illustration for, for our experience of the kingdom of heaven. Because now, 
what happens. And it's very complicated for parents to set this up because you've got to count the exact number of kids and stuff and stop the music at the right time. So very complicated. You, you guys know this. Um, each layer has a, has a little present in it, right? And so each kid that opens, you get your little lolly or treat in each layer. Now, where I'm going with this illustration, um, watch a Bluey episode about it if you want to know more. It's really helpful. Um, where I'm going with this illustration is that, that right now we get to experience little glimpses and wonderful and delight of what it's like to be part of the kingdom. As God is at work in our hearts, as we're following Jesus, as we're accepting and receiving his grace and his mercy and his kindness. Right? But, but eventually we will get to that fully fledged where we're fully partaking in the kingdom when Jesus returns or when we go to be with him. And so we, when we pray, things like what we talked about last week, may your kingdom come, we're, we're definitely praying, Jesus, would you return? Jesus, would you put all things right? But we're also praying... Jesus, would you reign in my heart? Would you grow and, and show, grow me and show me more of your kingdom and your goodness? And we're praying that for those around us as well. Jesus, would you come into the hearts of my family and friends and neighbours? Okay, so the where. Look to the kingdom. Let's move on to the how. Uh, and as I said at the start, um, at least Tim Keller would suggest that the how is, is wrapped up in this very first verse of this incredible sermon of Jesus on the mount. Let me read it out for us again. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Hey, you might read that and be sort of look at me. Pete, you said you'd tell me how. Right, this, this verse doesn't tell me what to do. Exactly. Because being a Christian isn't about what we do. It's about who we are. And particularly who we are in relation to, to God. It's not about what we do because he has done it. And it's about us receiving what he has done by faith. It's not about what we do. It's about who we are. And so how does this verse instruct us then? Well, as you read this verse, you might think, well, does God want us to be poor? Is that, is that how we receive the, the kingdom? Well, what this is saying is that you need to be spiritually poor. Being poor in spirit is to recognise our spiritual bankruptcy before God. Is that it's to recognise there's nothing we can do, there's nothing we can bring to earn God's favour. It's to admit our spiritual poverty so that we can receive the spiritual riches that God offers, that he gives. The, the posture 
of those who would receive God's grace and his mercy is to, to be low, to recognise that we are sinners and we are in need of his mercy and his grace. You might have heard the, the phrase before that grace flows downhill. It's, it's true. We need to recognise that we are spiritually poor. We're in need of his love and mercy and compassion. And it's to realise that he gives it. And in fact, he has given it freely in his son. I want to revisit now the, the, the different tendencies that we have and, and just, just look at the, the ways that, um, that a, a low posture helps with these things. So remember the, the different things, kids, you might have drawn these and you might have your responses to these. But, but for, for us who, who seek to look good, Actually, that posture is to be low and to look to the one who is good and who has shown his goodness in living and dying for you. For those who are tempted to look around and, and worry about things, we're actually to, to see that he meets all of our needs, that Jesus loves us, he knows what we need, and we're to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. For those of us that, that look nowhere, that just take the easy and wide path, is to see that he is the one worth following, that he knows the best path, that he is the true, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, for those that look within, we of course are to, to look to him for strength, for purpose, for satisfaction. Be empowered by him, by his spirit. Build your house upon his rock. So no matter where you are now, being a part of Jesus' kingdom, having Jesus as your king is all about recognising your need for him, that you are poor. Now, if you would say that you, you haven't yet humbled yourself, you haven't confessed that you are a sinner in need of God's grace, kids, uh, maybe you've heard lots of times about Jesus and how wonderful he is, but you, you've never really admitted, actually, I need Jesus. I can't be right with God without him. I invite you. It's not about what you do. You don't need to earn favour. You don't need to get good grades. You don't need to make your bed. Receiving his grace and his mercy is all about accepting that he loves you. I'm just going to pray for that before we, we talk just a little bit about then how we're invited to then live as Christians. Will you pray with me? And, and please, I invite you, if, if you haven't accepted Jesus into your life, would you consider praying along with me now? Father, uh, we, we admit that there's all sorts of places that we look for satisfaction and purpose. Uh, we look to, to make ourselves good. We look around. We look nowhere. We look within. Uh, but I pray, Lord, that we would look to Jesus. Lord, help us to see that we are sinners, that we have rejected you in looking elsewhere. And Lord, would you forgive us? 
And Father, we, we know as we ask for your forgiveness that you have given it in your son Jesus already. And as we look to him, would we see your love and your compassion and your care. Father, I pray that, um, that we would know that in Jesus we are eternally people of your kingdom. And that is because of what he has done for us. Father, we, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So how are we a part of the kingdom? We place ourselves low. We humble ourselves. How do we live as part of the kingdom? We place ourselves low. Adults, the phrase that I think would hopefully be helpful for you, I find it helpful, is to place ourselves low so that we might grow. Uh, kids, one for you. I probably like this one better, actually. But get down low and grow, grow, grow. A couple of years ago, and I'll finish with this, a couple of years ago in a sermon, I shared the story about my lily pillies. And a, a few of you actually over the years have, have um, spoken to me about this. Uh, so about the same time that Beck and Ben Blemings actually... Uh, started their community team. This is sort of interesting. Uh, I, I was given these 10 little lily pilly plants uh, to, to plant up along our back fence, sort of provide something nice, provide a bit of privacy and, and shade. Now, as I measured them out, we only needed eight of them. So I planted eight and then sort of had two in their pots in reserve. And you might remember I shared this story, how the ones in the ground just have grown and flourished and are, are just, you know, their pollinators come and birds chirp and they're providing shade and privacy. It's, I can't tell you how much I love these lily pillies. Um, and so they've grown really well. And there's the two in the pot. Remember what happened to them? There was, there was one um, that, that died. It was getting all the same treatment as all the others, but just being in the pot was restricted. wasn't in a great place, obviously, for it, and it died. The other lily pilly was, was literally exactly the same size five years later as it was when I first got it. It hadn't grown at all. Now, you might remember I shared that and, and sort of with a call to put yourself in a position to grow, to have God's word and God's people help you to grow. I invited you to consider being part of community teams. Now, many people have spoken to me about that and just thankful that actually God has used being a part of community teams and being in community around God's word to, to help them grow. I just want to share you the story. Uh, two years ago when I shared that story, I decided to finally plant the other lily pilly in our front garden. I can't tell you how much in that two years that that little lily pilly has grown. If you come to my place you have a look it's sort of in the front west corner it's growing beautifully and and wonderfully it just sort of helps with that illustration like if you put yourself in a place to grow then then you'll grow so i want to invite earnestly invite and call for everyone who is a part of this church and even if you're not a part of this church please join in smaller groups to help you to grow okay now 
To start off this year, we're, we're actually for 10 weeks, we're, we're inviting everyone to be part of what we're calling a gentle and lowly group. So all the small groups, whether it be discipleship groups or community teams or even new groups will be set up um, so that everyone can be a part of these groups for 10 weeks. Now they'll be starting in the, the coming weeks. You'll see you can just whip out your phones and, and scan. We'll leave that picture up there after the service. Um, and they'll give you details of different groups that are available. But please, would you prayerfully consider being a part of these groups so that God would use them and his word to, to grow you. Okay. I'm going to give just a, a minute or so as the musicians get ready. Um, rather than ending in prayer, I actually just want you to reflect on what posture and what place you can put yourself this year that God might grow you and even use you to, to help grow others. I'll finish with that and the musicians in just a minute or two can come down.